1 Samuel chapter number 9, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Ephiah. If anybody can say that better later, you come talk to me, all right? A Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, dear Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight. I thank you, dear God, for the service already. Thank you for the sweet spirit of God moving. Thank you for these, these dear young people, dear God, that you're raising up here in this church. I pray that they walk in truth all, all the days of their life. I pray that they find the Canaan land life and get in it quick and stay there the rest of their lives. I pray, dear God, that you drive away every hindrance and binding force of hell and the devil and the flesh in the world tonight. I pray, dear God, that you would prepare our hearts for the message. Help us as we deliver it. Lord, without you we can do nothing in, the, in preaching especially. Lord, help us to preach with the Spirit tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Tonight uh, we we really, this this book is called First Samuel and we get a little glimpse into the Samuel's life, but the majority of this book of First Samuel is used to uh, tell us about the life of King Saul and then we get glimpses of King David. We get introduced to King David but, but mostly from chapter 9 on, uh, even though there may be some episodes that feature David, the rest of this book is really about Saul. And he served for about 40 years. And man, if you study Saul's life, he's a wreck, isn't he? Amen. I mean, he is just a mess. Can I get an amen? It's all right to say amen to that. Uh, you know, there's plenty. Man, if you went to Jubilee this past year, you heard plenty of preaching on how wicked Saul is and how great David is. Amen. It's like it it was the theme of Jubilee, amen? It was for me, Brother David, amen? Uh, but Saul is always a type of the fleshly man. David's typically a type of the spiritual man. Saul is the picture of that, that selfish person that uh, allows the, the flesh to sit on the throne of their life. And David's the, the type of, he's the man after God's own heart. And the contrast throughout these books, in this, or in this book and these chapters, is just amazing. Saul is a train wreck. He's selfish. He, he tries, they, God tells him to wipe all the witches out but he keeps a few around apparently to, to get some answers, amen he's going to witches, I mean he is he is betraying the very people that love him the most, he's trying to use his daughter to, to catch David and, and bring David close to him so he can kill David I mean this man's trying to kill his own son, trying to kill his own children I mean this man's a mess can I get an amen now I need y'all forget all of that can you do that for me just for a little bit? I, I said that in one place, and this, this fellow halfway back said, No! Amen. So thank y'all for humoring me. I want you to forget all that about Saul tonight. My whole life, I've heard this statement that if you go to looking in this Bible, you can find Jesus anywhere. And, and Brother Andrew, I'll just be honest, this ain't one of the places I thought I'd ever find Jesus. But just for a little while, I want, to, I want you to forget everything you know about King Saul. And just for a little while, I want to preach on this salt. This salt. Seeing 
the Savior in the life of Saul. And I'm not talking about Saul of Tarsus, so y'all don't get ahead of me. Amen. I'm talking about King Saul. Now, don't th- y'all hear me out before you throw me out. Amen. The first thing I see, uh, we, we see the, the roots of King Saul. We can see the Savior in the roots of King Saul. In our chapter here, and I'm not going to take time to read the whole chapter. It's a, it's a fairly lengthy chapter, but I want to take it for granted that you hopefully read your Bible at least last year. All right? Uh, and this story, I'm going to tell you the story, but King, uh, King or Saul here, his dad, Kish, is a very powerful man. He has a lot of wealth and prominence, and uh, he has lost two donkeys. And in that day, you know, they had mules and they were very sought after and horses were even more sought after. But you don't really find men of wealth seeking after donkeys. But Brother Danny, it's like uh, these donkeys probably wouldn't have meant much to anybody else. But these two donkeys have gone missing. This father has something that means something to him that he has lost. So what does he do? He calls a servant to him, but he doesn't just call a servant to him. He calls his son to it. And he calls his son and this unnamed servant and he he could have sent anybody he could have been sent anybody in his household he could have sent a multitude of servants but he wanted to send his very best so what does he do he calls his son to himself and he sends his son out to go start looking for lost things with an unnamed servant uh, beside him this unnamed servant it is not his job to bring glory to himself that unnamed servant is unnamed because God wanted the, the emphasis to be on the son can I get an amen right there Hey, these donkeys wouldn't have meant much to the neighbor. These donkeys wouldn't have meant much down there in the market. But the father saw the price of these donkeys. These donkeys, though they meant not much to anybody else, they meant a lot to the father. And the father said, I'm going to send my very best to go seek what I've lost. And I'm not going to let him go along. I'm going to send an unnamed servant with him. Hey, neighbor, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Amen. About 2,000 years ago when the fullness of time had come, God, uh, well, he knew the time it was supposed to happen. He was the lamb to slain before the foundation of the earth. Hey, God sent forth his son and uh, born of a woman. He sent him forth. He sent the best heaven had to offer uh, to, to chase down the earth, the worst that was in the earth. Amen. Hey, we don't mean nothing to this world. We're just another number. We're just another uh, time clock stamper. We're just another taxer or somebody to tax. Can I get an amen? Oh, but to the Father, we're so much more and he saw us lost nobody else wanted us nobody else cared for us we was a bunch of drunkards and adulterers and murderers and self-righteous people amen oh but God saw the value in what we could be if the son ever found us and may I say tonight he sent the son with an unnamed servant I'll give you a hint who he is he's the Holy Ghost amen he sent the son with an unnamed servant to come down here and find us that we're lost. Amen. I see that he sent from the Father. Let's go back to Saul, okay? He sent from the Father and he left the Father's house looking for lost things with an unnamed servant. But it's amazing to me that there was a man of God that went before him and preached all these things, said all these things, the word of God about what Saul was going to do. And not one of those words fell to the ground. Samuel was not the king. But he was to make the path straight for the king. Everything he said that, that Saul was going to do, it happened. 
And so you got a forerunner. you got somebody going ahead of this son that's come from the father to look for the lost things. But Brother Josh, it doesn't stop there. All of a sudden, Saul starts to prophesy. He starts to, to preach, to prophesy. And you know what? Everybody begins to be amazed at the authority that Saul is. Some mock, some make fun, but some, some more, they appreciate. They are amazed at the fact that God is all of a sudden using Saul. How could God use somebody like this? All of a sudden, he's prophesying. He's speaking with authority. Oh, may I tell you, neighbor, that John the Baptist came. He made the paths of our Savior straight. He paved the way for the Savior. He came preaching that they, I'm not he but there's one that cometh after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to latch it and I baptize you with water but he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and everything that John said that Jesus was going to do he did it. He fulfilled every jot and every tittle. Hey do you remember what the common man said when Jesus began to preach? You remember when he went into the, the, the synagogues at Nazareth? They were amazed at the authority and the, the unction and the knowledge that he preached with. He's not been to school. Uh, supposedly Joseph's his father. He's just a lowly carpenter. And now all of a sudden he's preaching with authority and passion and unction. Hey neighbor, that's seeing the Savior in the life of Saul. I see him in his roots. Are y'all still with me? Once you start seeing it, you can't quit seeing it. Amen? I see him in the roots of King Saul. But then I want to see the Savior in the rejection of King Saul. Could you go over with me to chapter 10? Chapter 10. Now, there's a lot of things that happen, particularly uh, during our ch chapter 10. Saul sends him to, or Samuel sends him to his place, and there, there's an anointing, and they make him king. Matter of fact, they had to find him. He was a lowly servant. How many times did Jesus tell, say, go, go and tell no one? How many times were they about to take him and force him to be king, but he would slide out of the way? Brother Danny, he was a lowly servant. He came as a lowly servant. And by the way, if Saul would have stayed like this, we'd have had a very different outcome of this book. Can I get an amen right there? Brother Steve, I see that Saul is made king, but there's something weird that happens. All the chapter 10 is about Saul being anointed king and made king. But look at verse 26. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. Now, i got a problem with that. If you're made king, what do you deserve? Well, you deserve a crown. If you're made king, what, what, do, you, what do you need? You need a throne. If you're made king, what do you expect? You expect a palace. Is that right? If Queen Elizabeth called me up tonight and said, Hey, look, I don't like Charles. I found, I found out in Ancestry.com, you're a direct lineage. We want you to come be the next king of England. Jolly old king of England. Amen. But laddie, believe me, I'm going to expect that, that Buckingham Palace. Can I get an amen? I'm going to expect a new hat, all right? But Saul didn't get any of that, did he? No, but you know what he did do? After he was anointed king and the whole nation knew he was supposed to be king, he went back to the father's house. Next thing I see, look what you're looking with me. And there, oh, I love this part. I'm going to shout right here. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. 
But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought no presents, but he held his peace. Brother Sam, here we have a a big deal. He's been anointed king. The man of God said, this is the king. This is the king. But there was a group of men, the sons of Belial, they were wicked, vile men all through the scripture. They rose up and they turned the majority of the nation against Saul. So what does he do? When the brethren, according to the flesh, when Israel rejects him, he's, he's anointed king. He knows he's supposed to be king. But guess what he does? He goes back to the father's house. But Brother Danny, he does not go along. I'll tell you what, before he got rejected, before the nation turned against him, before they basically took his throne from him, Brother Brian, you know what God did? He touched the hearts of a few men. And there was a little band of men that said, Hey, hey, everybody else may reject you, but I'm going to follow you, Saul. Hey, I may not make it here. I may not be nothing big here, but I want to be a small part of that band. And guess what? Hey, for the last 2,000 years, that's what we've been doing. Amen. Hey, 2,000 years ago, he came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God to everyone that believeth on his name. Hey, neighbor, look up here. Hey, the, the, the brethren turned against him. Israel, they hung him on a cross. Hey, Israel, they, they crucified him judicially according to the law. The Romans, they crucified him physically with the cross. Oh, but neighbor, we crucified him spiritually with our sin oh and I'm telling you tonight as he hung on that Roman cross with the Jews mocking him down there they rejected him nationally oh but I'm glad he didn't stop at the Jew Matthew 1 says he came to save his people from their sin but John 1 says brother Tim that he can hear and behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world I'm glad he came unto the Jew but I'm glad he didn't stop there he came to the Gentile also. Hey, neighbor, hey, the nation may have rejected him. The world as a whole may have rejected him, but I'm glad there's a small band of men and women that God's touched their hearts, and though he's went back to the Father's house for the last 2,000 years, hey, we've just kept going to the Father's house with him. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah to God. I thank God for his rejection. Because of their rejection, we have been grafted in. Amen. I'm looking at chapter 11 now. I see, oh, by the way, what has he been doing the last 2,000 years? It says he went back to the father's house, and the next time we see him, he's out in the field tending sheep. That's what he's been doing the last 2,000 years. He's just been tending the sheep. I see in chapter 11... I see that we can see the Savior in the rival of Saul. I want to read just a few verses here for you. Chapter 11, verse 1. Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash, the Ammonite, answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you that I may thrust out all your right eyes 
and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Jacob was weeping. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings and the men of Jabesh. We've got to see the Savior and the, the, the rival of Saul. Nahash. Anybody know what Nahash means? You ain't, you ain't going to believe this when I start going through it. Nahash means serpent. Here is the, 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 the Savior, the Son. Here's Saul. At the father's house. And brother Caleb, while he's at the father's house, a serpent rises up against the children of Israel. He encompasses them. He surrounds them at Jabesh Gilead. And he begins to holler out, I want to make a covenant with you. Now brother Jason, this is not a very good covenant. Either Here's the covenant. Here's the conditions. I'm either going to come and just kill you, or you can come out to me and I'll put out your right eyes. And cut off, what, what is it, cut off your right hand or toe or I can't remember. Right eyes and lay it for, it was, it was the right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. Say, so, preacher, what, what, what are you talking about? Well, either you're going to die or you're going to just be useless. That would render them useless to the priesthood. That would render them useless to, our, to, to fighting in the army. They would be useless. I'm getting somewhere. Stay with me. And so they have seven days to make a covenant with the serpent. And no matter what decision they make, it's not going to be good. So what does Israel do? Jacob begins to weep. May I remind you, neighbor, that there's a day coming. It's called the tribulation period. And, and Brother Laddie, the, the tribulation period, it will judge the whole world. God is going to judge this world. Can I get an amen right there? But Brother Steve, the primary objective of the tribulation is not so God can just judge the world. The primary objective of the tribulation is that Jesus, who was rejected, is at the Father's house. And when He comes back at the end of that seven years of tribulation, he has got, God is going to use that tribulation to, uh, to bring the children of Israel back to the, the Savior that they rejected 2,000 years ago. Brother Noah, and here's what's going to happen. Seven years. Uh, by the way, that's called Daniel's 70th week. Amen. That is the day of Jacob's trouble. So seven days in this text, seven years in tribulation. It is no mistake. Amen. That is the day of that is the Daniel 70th week, the day of Jacob's trouble. And in that week, God is going to send uh, terrors. God is going to send uh, 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 just absolute uh, pestilence to this world. Everything that God commands in uh, heaven is going to come true on earth. Amen and amen. That is the answer to the Lord's prayer. Thy, earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The book of Revelation is that being carried out and neighbor the sun's going to be turned to darkness the moon's going to be turned to blood there's going to be times when all the grass is going to be burned up there's going to be times when it's going to be cold because the sun's hidden there's going to be times because it's going to be hot because the days are shortened and lengthened and uh, hey there's going to be so much that happens and there's going to be times where you're going to want to die but you're not going to have the pleasure of dying and it's going to be bad on the Gentiles but the primary objective brother laddie is to draw that Jewish nation 
back to their rejected Messiah. What did they say? He said, weep not for me, but for your children. Let his blood be on us and upon our children. Jacob's been crying for a long time, hasn't he? The diaspora. Jacob's been crying through the diaspora. Then Jacob began to cry uh, through the Middle Ages where Rome began to wreak havoc upon the Jewish people and the Spanish Inquisition where they would go over cities on the Sabbath and if they saw that a house didn't have a fire burning in it, they automatically knew it was a Jew and without question they would go in and they would rack the people and torture the people and burn the people all through the Middle Ages. Baptists and Jews died right alongside each other. Oh, a neighbor and I don't even have to go into all of the last two centuries the pogroms of Russia and then we get into the 20th century and what Hitler did in the ovens of Nazi Germany oh brother Jason uh, Israel they're still weeping tonight even since they become a nation in 1948 all they've known is war and they have to have war to keep it they have to have war to protect it they have to have war to maintain it oh they've been weeping for a long time oh but can I report there's coming a Hey, where that weeping is going to end. There's coming a day when that weeping is going to awake the real giant. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That Antichrist is going to come on the scene. The ser- controlled by the serpent. He's going to seemingly have all the answers. And he's going to want to make a covenant with the children of Israel. And no matter what they do, that covenant's not going to be good. At the end of that seven years, they're going to have... All those Jews down in that valley of Armageddon and all the bombs and the nukes and the pitchforks and the rifles and all the cameras are going to be pointed. And the serpent's going to think they finally got God's people. I see the Savior in the roots of Saul, the Savior in the rejection of Saul, the Savior in the rival of Saul. But chapter 11 verse 6, we see the Savior in the return of Saul. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings and his anger was kindled greatly. I guess you could say the the time of the Ammonites had fully come. Can I get an amen right there? Hallelujah. Amen. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. And you know, remember, he went peacefully last time. He went as a lamb to the slaughter. He went back to the Father's house in peace with that small band of men. This is a different Saul right here, neighbor. This isn't the meek and mild Saul hiding behind the stuff. This is the Saul that says, Granted, get your gun. Amen. And when he numbered them in Bezek, look at this. The children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah, 30,000. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall you say unto the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow by that time the sun be hot, ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and ye shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And it was so uh, on the morning morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered so that two of them were not left 
together. Oh, can I tell you, neighbor, the last time we saw Jabez Gilead, it didn't look like this. Hey, the serpent had them surrounded. They were going to make covenants. It wasn't going to be good either way. Oh, but all of a sudden, that rejected king, that rejected Saul, he rises up because of the weeping of Jacob. And if you remember just a little bit ago, he was rejected. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He went back to the father's house with just a small band of men. But now Saul's coming back. And it didn't just just a small band of men. No, Brother Caleb, he's got 300,000 men, more than I imagine the Ammonites could count. And they come into that valley and they wipe out the serpent. Hey, they're so mad. They're such a big round that two of them can't walk together to find their way home. Oh, neighbor, can I remind you of what the book of Revelation says? Hey, there's coming a day. Hey, yeah, the, the, the Antichrist, he's going to have them down there in that valley. Old serpent, old slew foot. He's going to think he's got the Jews for the last time. Oh, but all of a sudden, oh, that Savior that they rejected 2,000 years ago, that, that Savior that they sent back to the Father uh, with a small band of men, he's coming back. And he's coming back not with a small band, uh, but he's coming back uh, with a group. Uh, hey, the sky's going to be full. Thousands upon thousands. White horses mounted up. He's going to go down to that valley and by the word of his mouth, Hey, he's going to slaughter the, king, the, the kings of the world. He's going to slaughter the armies of the serpent. And Brother Steve, hey, there's going to be blood running as high as the horse's bridle. And it's going to be holiness unto the Lord. And Israel, when they see him, they're going to see him whom they pierce. They're going to see him with many crowns on his head. And a nation is going to be born in a day. I done got ahead of myself. It's coming. It's coming. Some golden daybreak. Amen. He's coming. The last point. Well, this is the return of Saul. We see the Savior in the return of Saul. But then we have to see the Savior in the reign of Saul. Look at verse 12. And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said... Shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that they, we, we may put them to death. It might be Baptist folks here, amen. Who was that that turned him down the first time? Let's kill him right now, amen. Stoke the fire, woo, amen. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day. For today the Lord hath wrought salvation. You cannot make this up. The Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. What did I say Zechariah told us? That, Brother Andrew, there's going to be a nation born in a day. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal. Hold on now. He ain't going back to the Father's house. If you know anything about the Bible, Gilgal is where Saul ends up ruling from. Y'all listening to me? He doesn't go back to Papa's house. He doesn't go back to the field. He doesn't go back with a little small group. No, the whole nation says, let's go and put him on a throne. And let's make him king. And renew the kingdom there. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not Brother Bagel by any means, but I did a word study. That, that renew, a lot of people criticize that, but it's the right word. The Holy Ghost put it there. Can I get an amen right there? Brother, Brother Brian, I looked it up, and, and here's the problem. 
they, the, the, the issue they have with it is that Israel's not been a kingdom up until this point. They've just been a nation. You have to have a king to be a kingdom. Y'all understand? So the renew here is also used as birthed. God didn't just save a nation that day. He birthed a nation that day. Man, I, I, got, I got to move on. But there's gonna, it says it in the Bible. Not only are they going to be saved physically, they're going to be birthed. And that's what happens in our text. And all the people went to Gilgal. And there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Say, so, preacher, what are we going to do for that thousand year reign? It's going to look a lot like this. It's just going to be in a different spot. We're going to offer up sacrifices, not for salvation, but because we got it. That priesthood all through eternity, Brother Sam, is going to remind us of we should have been on that altar dying. But Christ took our place. Every new moon and Sabbath as we go up and down from that holy city, we're going to look over into the lake of fire. and there, It says carcasses for a reason. Because all the former things are going to be passed away. All the tears are going to be gone. <clears throat> Can you imagine the worship service, Brother Jason? Is we can't remember all that we used to be, but we, we get a visual reminder of where we should be and what should have happened to us when we get to the city. But then we get a reminder every new moon, every Sabbath, and every day you want to go up there that Jesus paid it all. What a worship service that's going to be. I don't know what some Baptists are going to do. There ain't going to be no football or ain't going to be no TV up there. We're just going to be worshiping the Lord all through eternity. You say, preacher, why would you preach something like this on a Wednesday night? Well, it's in the Bible, isn't it? I want to find Jesus. I want to find him. Young preachers, let me tell you this. Quit going to the Bible looking for a message. Go to the Bible looking for God, and you'll never be disappointed. But I, I want. There, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I want to find Jesus. Number two, I want us to think about this. This is this is just a this is this all happens in less than a year. Saul serves for another 38, 39 years. This is the only part of Saul's life that resembles Christ. Y'all know I'm telling right. When I said that I was going to preach him as a type of Christ, some of y'all thought I was crazy. And I am crazy, but not about this. Hear me. I had to look real hard to find Jesus in his life. Here's one I want to ask you, Christian. How hard do folks have to look to find him in your life? Is it easy to identify? We get to David. You can't help but to see Christ in David. You can't help but see Christ in Joseph. But it's hard to see him in Saul, isn't it? I wonder how hard it is for others to see Christ in you. If they can't easily see you tonight, him and you tonight, why don't you get on this altar and get that right tonight? But maybe tonight, I talked about the end times. I talked about the, the rapture and the, the tribulation. And I talked about Jesus coming back and all the, the, the horrible things. Are you ready to go? Are you part of that small band of men that have repented and put their faith in Christ? 
I talked to a young lady today. She was helping me with my new glasses. And Brother Andrew, I, I, I asked her. She's a Latino young lady. And I said, have you, have you ever, or, or do you go to church anywhere? And she says, well, I'm Catholic. She said, but I haven't went since the, the pandemic. And she started tearing up. I didn't say anything about the gospel, Brother Laddie, or nothing. She said, but I don't have any peace. That's what this girl said. She said, I don't have any peace. And I began to give the gospel to her. And Brother Danny, she said, I've got hate in my heart and I don't have any peace. She, just kept, she couldn't even formulate a sentence. She's crying there at the doctor's office. This world's looking for peace. Do you have it? Can they see Him in you? And do you have Him in you tonight?